Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Oh, death of mercy, how death of mercy, oh, death of mercy, spare me over another year. From newsounds.org and the studios of WNYC in New York, this is Soundcheck, our series of live performances and interviews. I'm John Schaefer. One of the unexpectedly great albums of 2020 was Jake Blunt's Spider Tales, in which Jake fiddled and banjoed and sang his way through old roots music, but from a decidedly different angle. Now he's back with a new album called The New Faith, in which he presents for us an Afrofuturist dystopia, a community that's holding on after a climate catastrophe and where old black American spirituals are the glue keeping things together. Now, the album has electric guitar and electronics, rappers and spoken stories, but it is still a Jake Blunt record, mining old American music for new visions and new sounds. Jake is here with his band, and he's going to start us off with this song, Once There Was No Sun.
That is good stuff from Jake Blunt and his band live in our studio, Once There Was No Sun, which you will find on his latest album called The New Faith. And Jake, it's great to have you in our New York studio finally. It's great to finally be here. So uh, introduce the rest of the band playing with you today. So I have Augustus Trich over here on the electric guitar and banjo ukulele, George Jackson on the fiddle, and Nelson Williams on the bass. Okay, and, and you pulled out the banjo at the end of that version of Once There Was No Sun. Is that the same banjo that you played for us when we did the remote session during the pandemic? I'm not sure. I played two different banjos for a lot of the Spider Tales stuff, and when I was at home not having to cart them around in a car, I could use them both with great regularity. Uh, these days I have consolidated to one. Okay, because it's a, it's a slightly unusual-looking banjo. Yeah. Uh, and I'm just wondering what the provenance of that instrument is. It was built by uh, a good friend of mine uh, named Will, who has a company called Cedars Instruments up in Dorset, Vermont. Uh, so he made it for me. There's none other like it, and I love it a lot. Wow. Okay. One-of-a-kind instrument. Um, this is sort of a one-of-a-kind record. I mean, this, this tale of uh, a community held together by song in the wake of presumably a man-made climate event. And on the record, Once There Was No Sun is the last track. And, you know, it's full of this kind of apocalyptic imagery. Once there was no sun, once there was no light, once there was no moon. And then at the end, suddenly, I'm so glad. What what is happening there? Did, Did you rewrite these lyrics or is that how the song originally goes? I think uh, the only one that I potentially rewrote is This Dark Old World, which might be This Doggone World. I talked to a few different people about what was happening on the source recording, and they all heard different things. So I went with what I thought fit the theme, which was all about light and dark. And um, I think... This was a really interesting song for me. Obviously, when you're digging through these old archives and sets of recordings trying to find old songs, oftentimes you relate to them for reasons that don't necessarily feel native to the song in question. And for me, this song felt like a really big statement of gratitude that we're meditating on the time before the creation of the sun and the moon as a reminder of how fortunate we are to have these things that we take for granted. So like, I know I don't wake up every day and thank you know, whoever I believe in for the sun. Um, I just assume the sun will be there. And I think the point of the song is like, it could have not been, it might not be tomorrow. And I thought that was just me. And then I was speaking to another journalist about the song. And when he published his, his little write up of the song, he actually dug up a recording of Bessie Jones, who I learned the song from talking to the folklorist, Alan Lomax and saying, this song is about how grateful we are to God for creating such a beautiful world for us to live in. Um, So one of those spooky moments where I kind of thought I was just, you know, bringing this out of my own head, and it turned out she and I were completely on the same page. Yeah, many, many decades apart. Yes, exactly. The source material. How did you pick it, and did you set out to tell this story, or did you find the story unfolding after a couple of songs? I definitely set out to find the story. Um, A lot of these songs were ones that I had known for years and like wanted to do something with, but just hadn't found a home for them yet. Um, But when Smithsonian Folkways approached me about 
making a record, I had to pitch them a couple concepts for what the records would be before we, you know, jumped on anything. Um, so I, I came up with the album concept on my own and several songs I knew already. And then other ones I just went and found and picked, um, and, you know, worked in other stuff. I mean, in that last one, that banjo tune I played at the end of once there was no sun is from this 1687 account from a guy named Hans Sloan, who was like a doctor visiting Jamaica and, uh, got a guy named Mr. Baptiste, who was an enslaved African in Jamaica, to write down some songs that they heard for him. Um, and you can still find those things and dig them up. And uh, I I definitely, I had the concept going into it, but it took me in unexpected directions, for sure. Yeah. The story of the new faith seems to be about the communal power of music to keep us going. Absolutely. I mean, I think it's it's... Part of the reason that this project was so intuitive for me is that all of the music that I'm working with, whether it's, you know, the banjo, which kind of sits at the very beginning of black American identity as opposed to African identity in America, um, these are traditions that developed at a time when our ancestors had been stripped of their languages and their cultures and their homelands. They'd been thrust into an entirely new, extremely hostile environment, and they were finding a way to survive. In many ways, the songs were developed for circumstances exactly like the ones I was trying to explore. Um, you know, even if the specifics were different, it was a communal music meant to hold people together during a time of extreme hardship. Um, and I think that's why I wound up not having to change very much. And, and is that why you had more of an expansive palette of sounds and collaborators on this record? Yeah, I mean, I think when I was envisioning the record, I had this idea of, you know, maybe the future because, you know, things aren't looking like we're headed toward uh, unimpeded progress in the mm -hmm. next few centuries at this moment in time that the future would wind up looking a lot more like the past and that maybe instead of my Afrofuturist vision being more in line with the ones people tend to be familiar with in music, whether it's, you know, like me being from Saturn or like, you right. know, a glittering spaceship on the stage. I'm like, maybe we don't have the same technology that we have now. We have maybe pieces of it like vacuum tubes and circuits and things, but people are having to take all of the sounds that we have heard up until this point and things that we have not yet heard and transduce all of that back onto acoustic instruments because they don't have computers anymore and they don't have the internet and they don't have software. Right. Um, so it kind of was about how do I take these really modern arrangement techniques and sounds and everything and then make them acoustic again, uh, or at least partially. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting because, you know, you just, I mean, and for folks who didn't catch the illusions uh, from Saturn, referring to Sun Ra, the, the late great jazz band leader, the, the, the spaceship mothership. on the stage, Parliament <laughs> Funkadelic, uh, of course, Wakanda, the, the yes. mythical land of Wakanda is, is a great current example of Afrofuturism. So a dystopian Afrofuturism is a, a neat twist and a new twist, it seems. I don't know that it's that. I think it's new to music is what I would yes. say. I haven't yes. heard that in music before, but I, I was deeply influenced in in creating this album by Octavia Butler, who I think mm -hmm. has written many Afrofuturist dystopias. Um, 
And, you know, I think it's it's all about talking between genres that way, especially because there is so much written word present on the record. It felt like I could, re- I've you know, I've been a huge fantasy and sci-fi nerd since birth. So uh, this felt like my moment to tie that together with my music, which I think has always been in that spirit, but never explicitly there before. Um, and this felt yeah. like the joining moment. So I got that idea, I think, from her more than anything else. All right. On to the next song, which is an arrangement of City Called Heaven. Many great recordings of this out there. How do you decide which one will be your source material? Um, I In this case, the one that I found first was the one that I liked the best. So it just worked out perfectly. Um, it turns out that Fannie Lou Hamer, renowned activist and singer, uh, also has an album out on Smithsonian Folkways. Yeah. I assume perhaps uh, released posthumously, but um, she has a, an album called Songs My Mother Taught Me, and this is on there, and I just I loved it. So uh, I knew I had to do something with it. Okay. Uh, on the record, this is one of the less motoric-sounding arrangements. Yes. Uh, uh, let's, let's hear a live performance. From Jake Blunt and his band playing songs from his new record called The New Faith, live in our studio. Brothers and sisters, one on me, 
trying to get in Sometimes our boats toasted and driven Sometimes I That is a live performance of City Called Heaven, sung by Jake Blunt with uh, Augustus Tritch on the electric guitar. It's a great sound, Jake. Um, what, what has your relationship personally been to these old spirituals and to the black church in, in general? Because I know other queer black musicians, it's been complicated for them. Yeah. What about for you? Oh, definitely complicated. Um, you know, I grew up with a lot of these songs just kind of in my lexicon. Um, and funnily enough, I just recently was gifted a book um, by a friend who works in a library that was being decommissioned, and it's a, a collection of, of slave songs that were recorded 
30 minutes from where my family's been from for the past few centuries, and a bunch of versions of these songs are in it. I had not seen it yet, so it, it was another fun moment of being like, oh, I was, I was, I was tapped into something here. Yeah. Um, but... I haven't always felt welcomed into the church as an establishment. Um, obviously, a lot of black queer people feel that way. I think a lot of black women feel that way. There are a lot of expectations about who you're supposed to be and how you're supposed to act. And, um, you know, it's always been an important part of my family's life. And I've always, you know, been a part of it through my grandparents, um, through my uncles. But... Um, I think uh, this is me finding my way to engage with the music, which I have always loved, um, but to reshape it, to accent the things that I find meaningful and important and remove some of the things that I don't think really need to be there. Yeah. So um, before this album came out, you released a, a single called The Man Was Burning, yes. which if not an actual spiritual, you know, it's sort of, it, it had some of the same DNA in it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And that you did rewrite s slightly, you know? Yes. I'll tell you about the man was burning Way down yonder in the land of Georgia This man was burning For blaspheming the name of God I told you about the man was burning Way down yonder in the land of Georgia Yes, the man was burning For blaspheming the name of God So was that kind of a prelude to this project, that song? So, weirdly, that song, actually, I made it after this album was done. Oh. Um, I finished this album, I think, in December um, of, what, 2021? This is 2022 now. Um... And yeah, I finished the record. I was talking to my managers at the time about how, um, you know, ideally we'd have a single or something to put out in between. And then that song, The Man Was Burning from Joe Lee, just kind of came across my radar. And it also is a song that was recorded right near where my family is from. So another one that's like really close to the area. And I just loved the sound of the song and immediately heard where I wanted it to go. So I just recorded it in three days in my bedroom ah. and sent it off to be mixed. And, you know, it, it was there. But yeah, that, that actually was a post-New Faith thing that came out before. Wow. Okay. Um, Joe Lee, who originally recorded it, was an incarcerated person. Yes. Uh, there is a track on the new on the new faith called the Tangalai Blues, which mm -hmm. I had never heard before, but I know that name Tangalai from one of those I, I don't remember if it was the Parchman Farm recording. It is, yeah. It is okay. Yeah, interestingly there appears to have been a harmonica player named Tangalai who I have not been able to figure out if it was the same person that's singing Tangle Eye Blues on that recording. I think there may have been two dudes named Walter who were called Tangle Eye <laughs> alive at the same time. And both incarcerated but, in different places? Well, or? I can't figure out if the harmonica player ever was, because he was ah. like going around performing and stuff. Okay. I, it's it's kind of a mystery to me. I need to look more into it. I, but, you know, this is, yeah, I... Yeah, it took me long enough to figure out what Tangalai's actual name was. Uh, just, you know, he's it, it, all the credits for the stuff just list Alan Lomax because he recorded it. Ooh. 
Lord, I left my love and the baby in the wreckage crying. Daddy, please don't go. Well, one of the things I like about uh, the Tangle Eye Blues is this combination of sounds we expect from you, the the fiddle, and this kind of sound design, which is one of the new elements on on this record. And and of course, the spoken word, the the actual framing of all of the songs that take us through this, this story. So did you do all of that kind of uh, ambient electronic work yourself? Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of it is less electronic than it seems. Um, I think especially there's like this big low drony thing in there that yep. feels very synthesizer-y. But um, I actually, I, I created this album with a specific physical setting in mind, right? I had this idea that, you know, when the black people come up from the South and are in search of a place to make a life for themselves. Probably the people who are already in the Northeast are not going to like welcome an influx of black people and we'll find a place to put them. And that the islands off of the coast by that time will be battered by storms and near uninhabitable. And they'll probably use those as a refugee camp. Right. Um, so I decided people would probably be there. So I went to one of those islands and set up like a little mid-side situation with my microphones and like recorded the sound of the ocean on one of those islands and then went into an abandoned World War II fort that's on the island and slammed a door and it made this huge echoing boom that I chopped the end off of and that became that low creepy drone sound. Um, so it's all pieces that I took from the island itself um, and they just turn into something pretty magical. Yeah, it is quite magical. And the 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 theme, uh, I mean, there are many themes that go through this this album, but one of them is rising water. Yes, you know, on on downward road, uh, the rapper Demeanor even refers to you know water rising a couple of times. Even odds, they heard about the water rising, made a plan to take advantage, had to enterprise it, saw an opportunity, movie was set as soon as Joey said it's a bet. We can sell a boat and can sell a boat no more for sure. We never settled a day. That kind of flooding imagery is is baked into the story, the biblical story of Noah, the story behind a lot of these songs, and of course this this rising tide that ain't gonna float many boats, you know, that we're all headed towards. Indeed. It was honestly unescapable. I mean, I, when you're talking about black spirituals in the natural world, like a lot of black spirituals are very oriented toward the other world, toward death and the afterlife, and don't have that much to say about where we live right now. But we have a ton of water songs and <laughs> water, rivers, oceans have always been a point of transition for us theologically, whether it's in a Christian context or, you know, in African religions. Um, it represents a change, and the specific type of change has varied depending on the time period and the belief system and the place. Um, but I felt like that would still be there. Um, I wanted to avoid getting really specific about what the faith depicted on the record was, so I took out a lot of specifically Christian elements, but I'm thinking, like, what are things that people are still going to say even if they're not Christian anymore? Like, we're still going to talk about angels, still going to talk about heaven, And, you know, these other things that are about, say, the Great Flood will take on a new significance because a lot of these people's homelands will be underwater. Yeah. Now, the the, the song Didn't It Rain, you know, uh, there's a 
again, that kind of apocalyptic water imagery, but there's a specific historical, uh, so it was the wrong word, biblical. Yeah, totally. Yeah, no, as far, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's the Great Flood. Yeah. Um, which is confusing simply because there's another Great Flood that happens within a decade of this song being published in 1919. That is very true, actually. <laughs> I never <laughs> thought about that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, um, all right, let's hear, uh, let's hear this live performance. Jake Blunt is my guest with his band, and the song is Didn't It Rain? Was no land nowhere in sight. God sent the raven to spread the news. Horsed his wings and away he flew to the east, to the west, north, to the south. All day, all night, how it rained, how it rained. Oh, tell me, didn't it rain, 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 children? Rain, oh my lord, didn't it just, didn't it, you know, didn't did, it, oh my lord, didn't it rain? Knock at the door, crying, brother, can't you take a couple more? But brother said, well, your water looks a little bit You can't pay, you better learn to swim Water rising, water rising Water rising, keep rising all day long Keep rising all night long Tell me, didn't it rain, 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 children? Rain, oh my lord, didn't it just, didn't it, you know, didn't, didn't it, whoa, my lord, didn't it rain?
Again, Jake Blunt and the band, uh, George and Gus trading solos in that performance of Didn't It Rain. And uh, Jake, a lot of this album is built around the, the bedrock of it, regardless of the instrumentation, are the hand claps, the body yep. percussion, the, the kind of... Is that drawn from, from the Juba tradition? Well, indirectly, yes. Um, I I really was thinking about the field recordings I love to listen to from Gullah Geechee Shout Ensembles, Macintosh County Shouters, right? Uh, some Georgia Sea Island singers. They have these amazing like polyrhythmic clapping things going on that I think are super cool. But I made the album, put a bunch of those on it, put you know people banging bottles and whatever on it. And I played some of the songs for my dad. My dad was like, you made fish fry music. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he said, well, when I was a kid, whenever we'd like get together for a fish fry at Mama Jenny's house and everyone would, you know, um, bring food, people would start banging on the tables and clapping and, you know, knocking a spoon against their glass or whatever. And they would sing songs and it would sound just like this. <laughs> um, I think it was Didn't It Rain that prompted that remark from him. So, uh, yeah, I I went into this from a very weird experimental standpoint and I found out that I have not done anything new, um, <laughs> which in this particular line of work means I'm doing something right, I think. Yeah, so. yeah. Uh, you have been on Twitter recently uh, musing out loud about whether you should hire a drummer or stick with, you know, a drum machine. So is that for this current tour or are you already plotting more musical mischief? So uh, at at the present moment, uh, I can neither afford a drummer on tour nor a, a van large enough to accommodate the drum set. Uh, to which I would urge your kind listeners to buy copies of my record from Smithsonian Folkways so I could get a drummer. Um, no, I have a bunch of ideas that actually got cut from this album that never got finished. And the way that this worked was I kind of used MIDI sequencing to make a lot of the parts and then went and recorded the individual drums with my co-producer, Brian Slattery. Mm -hmm. And um, it was a good way to build a thing, but I think I'm looking for something that's a little bit more continuous and maybe a little bit less human sounding than what I'm doing. And I can't figure out whether I need to hire a drummer and be like, sound like a drum machine, but be less regular, or if I should just get a drum machine that's a little bit weird. So time will tell. All right, it's just, it's funny, you know, when uh, when you put a question like that out there and so many of the responses are, dude, get the drum machine. It's like, not what I expected, you know? You expected it was not what I expected either, but I think people just like to see people doing weird stuff, Yeah, frankly. Um, but I, I don't know. It is the season of 
belt tightening for musicians right now. Yes. So I think we're all on the same page about the the relative merits of buying a thing that you don't have to continuously pay. <laughs> well, uh, the, the New Faith is the latest record from Jake Blunt, and it is well worth buying, if only to make it possible for Jake to eventually hire a drummer. But that is certainly not the only reason, Jake. It's a terrific album, and it's a wonderful story, really well told. Thank you so much for coming in and playing for us today. Thanks for having us. And you can find uh, video of these live performances on our YouTube channel and right here on the website, newsounds.org. My thanks to our videographer, Eric Weber. Our technical director is Irene Trudell. Our producer is Karen Havlick. I'm John Schaefer. See you next time. Now look at our old wicked fathers Thought they were too mighty well But when it come to find out They done made up a bed in hell Now the downward road